Hi, this is Jim from Safety Wars. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty and prosperity on the highway to the north, this is Safety Wars for Friday, May 19, 2023. How's everybody doing out there? Like everybody else on the network, we've been extremely busy this week. Saving lives, doing safety. How's everybody doing out there? I hope your week was great. Like mine was. We're having a slight... Ooh. We're having a slight cold front. The wrong button here. Uh, so that nice 80 and 90 degree weather we were experiencing last weekend and last week in the New York, New Jersey area was 38 degrees this morning. A little chilly, especially for May. But, uh, you know, we opened up the pool this week, got everything going there. It's still too cold to swim. Anyway, every time I go into the weather... It seems like I get messages from people. Move down to Florida. Move down to Texas. Move on down to Louisiana. Well, can't do that yet. Maybe in the future. So, uh, I am going to play for you a short meeting that we uh, recorded. A safety meeting. And I want you to bear with me because... I'm going to play this clip. It's how long is it? About four minutes long of me. Uh, And then there's real commentary that comes out after it. And this is going to be a shortened program tonight. This is pre-recorded, by the way. So it's not really live. Can't really call it Safety Wars Live. So I'm going to play a short short program, a little bit over four minutes and 15 seconds, but that's not really what the, uh, I'm going to switch it up. That's not really what we're going to talk about. Oh, hold on. Let me make sure this is going to work. Hold on. I'm sorry. Okay. We're going to, we have to do something else. This is what happens with live radio. Okay. While that's uploading into the board, I got to play from the board. Let's talk a couple of minutes on uh, what's happening out there. Uh, I got some comments back from the gaslighting episode uh, where we did the gaslighting and safety. Some good, some not so good, but that's okay. One of the things is... uh, we get this gaslighting going on all the time. 
It happened to me today out on a project where somebody was reading a uh, safety plan. And they said, well, that's not what that safety plan says. It's like, dude, it's in writing. This is what we're doing. Well, that's not what that says. Well, I tell you what, how do you handle something like this? If you don't think that that's what that says, and with all due respect, maybe we should change it if you're not comfortable with the safety plan and put it all through the review process again. Guess what? They back down real quick when you give an answer like that. And this is one form of gaslighting. Well, this, no, it says X, Y, and Z. We're going to do X, Y, and Z, and it's done safely, and it's been through multiple layers of approval. Then someone else comes out there. Well, that's not what that says. Well, I told them, I said, I tell you what, why don't we get the people on the phone that approve this, who are your bosses, which is your boss, and your boss's boss, and we'll see if they're okay. And I said, by the way, I'm not the one who wrote this. You came from your company. Uh, guess what? They drop it like a hot potato. So you have to be respectful. You can't be snarky. You can't be a wise guy or anything else. Uh, other parts were that a lot of people felt triggered. And I put a trigger warning on there if you look at the uh, description on all of this stuff because some people do get triggered. This upsets a lot of people. There was a story on LinkedIn today, a meme, where somebody, uh, they had a, uh, an engineer yelling at the safety guy, safety, shut everything down. Blah, 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 blah. And you know, people had snarky remarks. I said, look, none of that's constructive. A better answer is, and it might get you fired, but it gets to the heart of the thing. If you plan out your work, and if you gave, give your employees resources, your employees will work safe, are more likely to work safe. You give them the resources, you give them the training, you give the authority, you give positive incentives to work safely rather than beat them over the head, you know. You can't go out there. You can't go out there, you know, with, uh, okay, you're going to work safely. You're going to work safely. Can't do that. Got to give them incentives. You got to work with people. Right? So, you know, if you did planned out your work and everything else and, and put in positive incentives for people to work safely and also put in their job correctly and did everything else you were supposed to do as an engineer, as a project manager, what have you, we wouldn't need to shut any everything down probably. We could just make small adjustments here and there. The other thing is this. Safety professionals that work directly for a company so, for example, you're working for Acme Construction Company, right? I'm using that as a generic. Acme Construction Company. If you're working for Acme Construction Company, there should be no real need to shut down a job unless there's some type of dire emergency. There's a dire emergency. Guess what? Oh, I got to raise this up. Then, okay, you can shut down the job. In 31 years working in construction and environmental stuff, uh, uh, cleanups, I've only, and I've done scores of jobs, I've only had to shut down about six jobs, and they were a shutdown, meaning like a half an hour, let's pause, fix this situation, resolve this situation, and then go on and do whatever you're going to do. If you're a safety professional and you're constantly shutting down jobs again and again and again and again, you're going to have an issue. Uh, nobody's going to want to work with you, number one. Uh, number two, uh, you better be right 100% of the time 
Number three, you better have, or you better have a very good reason. Either they're breaking a regulation, it's inherently unsafe what they're doing. There are not controls and safeguards in place to prevent that. You have reckless employees, you have reckless managers, and all that other stuff that goes in it. Going down and shutting down the job, not good for your bottom line, not good for their bottom line, not good for anybody's because you lose credibility. So I'm not saying don't shut down the job. What I'm saying is if you have to shut down the job, it's really, and stop work. I mean, like a stop work, not a, hey, hold on a minute, let's do this. Actual stop work. That's a failure on somebody's part. Maybe a part of the system, a failure, persons, what have you. So uh, let's go back now that that's all uploaded into there. Uh, again, live radio here, guys. Uh, we're going to go through this. So three, two, one. Remember, hold on. It's about four minutes. And what we're going to talk about is not necessarily this. Ensuring foot protection in the workplace. Welcome, everyone, to this safety meeting focused on foot protection in the workplace. Foot injuries can have serious consequences, leading to pain, lost productivity, and potential long-term disabilities. And it's crucial to prioritize foot safety and ensure the use of appropriate protective measures. This meeting aims to raise awareness about potential foot hazards, educate employees on the importance of foot protection, and discuss strategies for preventing injuries. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, every year there are 50,000 to 70,000 occupational foot injuries that result in lost time injury. The number of non-reported injuries is thought to be four to five times more, with many of these injuries causing tens of thousands of dollars to an employer. You can see why a good foot protection program could save thousands of dollars. This does not even include the number of amputations. If an employee has a pre-existing condition like diabetes, a foot injury could lead to amputation. So what's an employer to do? First of all, OSHA requires employers to assess foot hazards, then use the standard hierarchy of controls to prevent foot injuries. You cannot use an employee as an indicator of foot hazards. You cannot wait for an injury to happen. You must anticipate the injury and the hazard. As a review, the hierarchy of controls includes Step 1, eliminating the hazard. Step 2, replacing one hazard with a less hazardous one. I'm not sure this one would work for foot protection. Step 3, engineer the hazard out. Step 4, come up with an administrative control for mitigating foot hazards. And Step 5, personal protective equipment. Common foot hazards include falling or rolling objects, punctures from sharp objects, crushing or compression injuries, slip, trip, and fall hazards, exposure to extreme temperatures or chemicals. After identifying the foot hazards, and if they cannot be eliminated, then as appropriate foot protection. Foot protection comes in several forms that has several attributes. Steel, composite toe footwear is part of the basic foot protection and might include work boots or shoes or even sneakers. Some of the attributes of foot protection include, one, we already mentioned steel or composite toe, Two, puncture-resistant soles. Three, static dissipating or conductive if electrostatic discharges are of concern. Four, chemical protection, which is usually neoprene, PVC, or latex. Five, metatarsal guards. Six, steel caps that go over your shoes for if you are jackhammering, for example. An easy way of identifying safety shoes is to check the towns of the shoe or boot and see if there is an STM. That is the American Society of Testing Materials rating on the label. If it is present, it is a safety tote shoe. It is important to have a proper fitting shoe with appropriate socks that cover the shoe. 
One client of mine had an employee who had dirty and wet feet for a couple of weeks on the Gulf oil spill and never had a clean pair of socks. He ended up with sepsis, what used to be called blood poisoning from a small blister, and ended with a hospital stay. So make sure your feet are in good condition. As with all safety concerns, all assessments should be in writing, all plans should be communicated, in other words, training, and it might be advisable for an employer to supply appropriate footwear. OSHA does not require the employer to supply footwear, but the employer is on the hook for any injury incurred because of a foot problem. Training should be part of any foot protection program. Make sure that you have props, pictures, statistics, and bring any stories that your workforce might be able to relate to, especially if one of them had had a foot injury. No matter what, foot protection should be maintained in good and clean shape. In conclusion, foot protection is a critical aspect of workplace safety. By understanding foot hazards, selecting appropriate protective equipment, implementing effective policies, engaging employees, and focusing on continuous improvement, we can significantly reduce the risk of foot injuries in our workplace. Remember, foot safety is a shared responsibility that requires the commitment and participation of every employee. Let's prioritize foot protection and ensure that everyone goes home safely at the end of each workday. Thank you for your attention and dedication to maintaining a safe working environment. See you in the field. Okay, this is a little bit of an announcement for you folks. That was not me. It was me, but it wasn't me. Jim, what are you talking about? That doesn't make sense. What are you talking about? That's not you. What you have just experienced is a safety meeting that was about 60% generated. The text of it was generated by AI. The voice on there was mine and I inputted it into a uh, consumer grade, right? Not a professional, but a consumer grade voiceover program where you are able to give your voice and the more you speak, that was around 45 minutes worth of text, I'm sorry, worth of speech, I inputted into it. If you get up to about eight or nine hours worth of speech into that, right? It's supposed to come out near perfect. You have just been replaced, safety professionals. Right now, this is a huge controversy in our society. That's artificial intelligence. We used to joke years ago that somebody had artificial intelligence, that they thought that they were smart. And really, they weren't. And what, what's the point here? Right now, we have writers on strike in Hollywood, Hollywood, because you could go in using AI and go and create their uh, create their uh, uh, scripts, starting points, giving somebody a little bit of a thought, giving someone a little bit of a, a, a inspiration, and they're able to build on that. It's extremely difficult, especially with, the, I, I tell you what, I learned a lot. Thank God for Jay Allen for giving me this opportunity here on this network. We learned a lot on how, uh, we. I, no, I've learned a lot, and we have, on what it takes to put together a program. A one-hour monologue is basically what I do, except for when I do an interview here. It's 
to get inspiration and everything else. AI could be used for that. and Or AI could be used for generating an entire script. I see that happening in the next five years, if it hasn't happened already, where whole things are generated by AI. A lot of the news and the news media that you see from the smaller news outlets, I'm not going to mention their names, but are obviously AI. Why? Because they use words that normal people don't use. I'm not the most eloquent person all the time. I'm not, I, I mean, you look at uh, my academic career with writing. I struggled with writing. I struggled. Uh, I'm always, I'm better with a spoken word, believe it or not. But with writing, I've always had an issue with. And imagine going out. I, I was having, I have uh, a lot of teachers that we associate with where they were having problems. Actually, how are we going to do this? What are we going to do? We have students writing with AI. It's a problem. You, so there are some workarounds they're putting in place. For example, uh, an annotated bibliography where you have a bibliography and you have to actually explain what every one of the articles uh, uh, read. I believe that's what they call them, annotated bibliography. So you, it would be like, uh, well, I got this from the New York Times, May uh, 13th, uh, 2001, and then you would have to go and you'd have to explain what that was and have a summary of that article or that book or what have you, what you're quoting. That's one way that somebody, that they're going to uh, have that, a workaround. Another workaround that they're talking about are rough drafts included with every assignment that you get in school. So there had better be a history going in there of drafts so you can do there are, and There are, I'm sure, going to be other workarounds. Uh, this has been an issue going on for a long time with uh, uh, websites like Wikipedia, which may or may not be accurate depending on who does the article and motivations and everything else. But I see this as an existential threat to our industry. And that, uh, but, it, but not all is bad because one, we're going to lose jobs. But on the other hand, what's our, the point of our industry is to for people to work safe. It's getting to the point where you can write a whole safety plan with AI, a basic one, not anything more specific, but now you're having an issue of, guess what, does it apply to what we're doing? Maybe, maybe not. That's where we still have to have a safety professional or a PIC person in charge who's able to figure things out, confident person, that sort of thing. So here we have, I have a whole bunch of articles here on this. Let me run through a couple of them. So here we have, and again, these are from mainstream uh, news that I, and I'll mention where it's coming from. Mainstream news this is not conspiracy theory radio or coming from an extreme right wing or left wing uh, point of view here on this conspiratorial. Here we have a story from CNBC, right? Cable NBC. They used to have their offices not too far away from here in New Jersey. A secret annual meeting attended by the world's elite has AI at, at the top of the agenda. And this is from an article by Karen Gilchrist, uh, May 18, 2023. That's yesterday. Open AI CEO Sam Altman will join forces with key leadership from Microsoft, DeepMind, Google on Thursday as the secretive Bilderberg meeting kicks off. 
kickstarts. I'm sorry. So Bilderberg meeting, what is that? That has been since, I believe it's 1957, a secret meeting of uh, politicians, including the British royal family, uh, the president often of this country, and senior government officials, as well as all over the world, meet and they join and they have meetings. The problem is, for us as Americans, we have an open public uh, records act where if we're going in and there's official government policy being discussed, that's supposed to be on the record, unless it's classified or national security, that sort of thing. So it's a problem for our people to be over there. But here you have people along the lines of the other wars website that go nuts over this. And it, who knows? They discuss all different types of stuff over here. God knows what. AI is one of them. They never release the minutes of the meeting. They do release the uh, uh, agenda. So key topics up for discussion at this year's meeting, Bilderberg meeting, were published by its organizers Thursday, giving an insight into what it deems the most pressing issues in global affairs. AI, all right, we're talking about it. We're going to talk more about it. The banking system, China, energy transition, Europe, fiscal challenges, that's fiscal, F-I-S-C-A-L, challenges, India, industrial policy and trade, NATO, Russia, transnational threats, Ukraine, and U.S. leadership. Okay, so what? why are they talking about U.S. leadership? I don't know. What are they saying? I don't know. The talks come as the rollout of artificial intelligence tools such as OpenAI's ChatGPT and Google's Fart have added to the mounting concerns around the rapid development of technology with Altman called to testify before the U.S. Senate on Tuesday. Okay, what is Bilderberg? Okay, 1954, uh, foster dialogue between Europe and North America. Today, around two-thirds of participants come from Europe and the, rest of no and the rest from North America, with approximately a quarter from politics and government and the uh, remainder from other uh, fields. Uh, around one-fifth of the people are women. And as ever, discretion is the key. Attendees take part as individuals rather than any official capacity. No official detailed agenda is disclosed. So they're not there. That's how they get, they get around the laws. Bilderberg meeting is a form of informal discussions around major issues. All right. So secrecy always breeds uh, issue, uh, issues. Here's another article. This one is from uh, BMJ Journals. Here. Uh, do, ooh, okay. Threats by artificial intelligence to human health and human existence. I'm going to read the abstract here. This is an article by Frederick Federspiel, Ruth Mitchell, Asha Osokin, Carlos Umana, and David McCoy. While artificial intelligence, AI, offers promising solutions in healthcare, it also poses a number of threats to human health and well-being via social, political, economic, and security-related determinants of health. We described three main ways. Misuse narrow, misuse narrow AI serves as a threat to human health through increasing opportunities for control and manipulation of people. What's our byline here? Don't be manipulated, be educated. Through increasing opportunities for control and manipulation of people, 
Enhancing and dehumanizing lethal weapon capacity. We're talking Terminator level stuff there, folks. And by rendering human labor increasingly obsolescent. We talked, and the Pope talked about it last week, about demographic issues. And there were also demographic issues all over the place. There are articles it's in the mainstream. Demographic issues leading to a decreased labor force and an increased, uh, increased reliance on machines. We then examined self-improving artificial intelligence, AGI, and how this could pose an existential threat to American humanity itself. In other words, the machine's learning and improving and obtaining, and this is an area for philosophers, some type of uh, uh, sentience, some, right? acting independently, getting smart on itself. Finally, we discuss the critical need for effective regulation, including the prohibition of certain types and applications of AI, and ECHO calls for a moratorium on the development of self-improving AGI. We ask the medical and public health community to engage in evidence-based advocacy for scale AI rooted in the precautionary principle. Okay, now, two things. When we talk about AI, what is it? I want you to picture in your mind... All right, come out with a sentence. It's a beautiful day. The sky is, figure it out, fill in the blank. How do you answer that? I've asked this question uh, when artificial intelligence has come up in some of the meetings I've attended. And again, this is, I mean, meetings with clients. And they said, I said, well, before we start, talking about AI and how it applies to what we're doing here, what, how do you complete that sentence? And I asked them to write it down on a piece of paper. And we get all different kinds of responses, but the most common one is blue. So if you ask AI a question to complete the answer here, they would most likely go search the internet or whatever database they're connected to, find out what people are most likely to say, and that would be the answer. It would be blue. But what else could it be? Clear, right? How about if you're a gloomy person, like, uh, no, Adam's family person. It could be overcast. It could be bright. It could be uh, azure, right? If you want to talk about the real color of the sky being blue, it's actually azure. And, and going on and on and on. And it's all probability with this. That's artificial intelligence. Now, rooted in this, our, this last part of this abstract, we asked the medical and public health community to engage in evidence-based advocacy for safe AI rooted in the precautionary principle. Precautionary principle is real simple. If, you're, uh, if you have a whole series of choices you're going to do choose the thing uh, that causes the least harm, or you're going to not pursue something as a precaution of that. Environmental policy, which you know, yeah, I have a background in that, is rooted in a precautionary principle. We're just to be safe. We're not going to do something, right? Because we're not sure. Precautionary principle. I always argued that it's not actually a principle because principles have to be have broad. Uh, um, in my opinion, at least, broad application, and that's very subjective with that. 
Here we have uh, other stories here. So that was, uh, here you go. There's a damn good chance this is from Popular Mechanics, not a conspiracy theory place. There's a damn good chance AI will destroy uh, humanity, researchers say in a new study. On the, but on the bright side, there are some things we can do to prevent that outcome, maybe. And this is from October 14, 2022, article by Caroline Delbert. A new paper explains that we'll have to be careful and thorough when programming future AI, or it could have dire consequences for humanity. The paper lays out the specific dangers and the assumptions we can definitively make about certain kinds of self-learning, reward-oriented AI. We have the tools and knowledge to help avoid some of these problems, but not all of them. So we should proceed with caution. And a new research, scientists tackle, and this is from an article in Oxford University, Australian National University, explain a fundamental pain point of the design of AI, Right. Given few assumptions, we argue that it will encounter a fundamental ambiguity in the data about its goal. For example, if we provide a large reward to indicate that something about the world is satisfactory to us, it may hypothesize that what satisfied us was the sending of the reward itself. No observation could review that. You also go into, right, will AI go, into, go haywire and begin trying to turn humans into paper clips or whatever else the extreme reductio ad absurdum version is. Reductio ad absurdum, right? Latin of this goal. And most importantly, how can we prevent it? And it quotes one of my favorite movies, The Matrix, as an example of a dystopian AI. Another one, right? So the thing is, it goes haywire. It's sort of like that genie out of the bottle, that evil genie that you go and you tell and you make a wish and then it gives you the absurd end of that wish. Been a lot of uh, TV shows about that, uh, right? Uh, things going way, like in the Twilight Zone uh, and many of its incarnations and things of that nature. And uh, the X-Files episode uh, uh, with, uh, with that, right? with uh, uh, that scenario there was a program but anyway what no this is uh no and the article here it's hard to overstate just how important this kind of research is there's a major thought exercise in the field of ai ethics and philosophy run among run run among uh, i can't say that uh run amok right so that's it. Here we have one from a couple of weeks ago. New York Times article, uh, Cade Metz from May 1st. May, and it was updated May 7th of this year. So this describes a uh, group, uh, a meeting uh, of more than 1,000 technology leaders, researchers, and other pundits working in and around artificial intelligence signed an open letter warning that AI technologies present profound risks to society and humanity. Powerful AI systems should be developed only once we are confident that their effects will be positive and their risks will be manageable. The signatories include Elon Musk uh, and uh, Elon Musk and uh, several other people here. They're not listing all 27,000, uh, but they're academics, etc. 
So what are some of the positive things with AI? I tell you what, if it's a good starting point, all of this stuff, just like Wikipedia, it's a good starting point. But it's not, but as our a friend of this program, Brent Sutton says, you need, so well, in his uh, book, um, Learning Teams, is you need soak time, right? You always need soak time. What does that mean? You, you can never just read something. You gotta read it, think about it, and it becomes part of your being. That's all part of the learning process of anything. Same thing with AI. You can just function anything, get an answer, but if you don't have the uh, 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 soak time to think about that, and I just dumped out lemonade, all right, wasn't a lot. So, uh, you, and you gotta think about that sort of thing. All right. Uh, you also, there's an article on AI being used to collect medical data and then able to predict some type of, uh, no, you're able to predict uh, uh, disease. This week, pancreatic cancer was one of them. Another good use. Another uh, positive use. So with that is if you're just looking for something real quick and dirty, an explanation, you don't have time to research it, you can go and get something from there. Another more, a good and a bad thing. Let's say that you uh, have a loved one and you have a lot of audio. You can input it into one of these programs and you can actually play back years later days, years later, your loved one, if they pass away, saying I love you, saying all different types of things in the AI program, also known as a deep fake. Pretty good. There's also been a lot of stories out there about pornography and people with all different things on there with pornography in this where they, uh, you know, in all different contexts, revenge porn and everything else where people are uh, uh, using their images for all different types of stuff. You could use your imagination on that. I'm not going to go into it. Uh, I'm right up to the point where, you know, hey, Jimmy, you're one too far sort of thing. Here's another one. So, okay, loved ones at training programs. Again, you've been, you're a safety professional. This is going to impact you right? with this. Writing plans and everything bad things, but it could be good things because some of the plans might be okay. And they, again, you have to review them and they, it cuts back on time so you could issue things quicker. How about recording? I'm not an audio guy. I'm an audio file. Everyone knows that. But I'm not an audio guy. Can things be faked with this? where you actually go on a remote call, they'll pick your platform, Zoom, uh, Microsoft Teams, what have you, and you record someone's voice. Because usually, you know, often people like me, I use a real microphone when I'm on a Zoom call. And the great Jay Allen does the same thing. The safety uh, sage, uh, Jay Allen, the uh, our leader here. We're, uh, where we go in, and we're, we use a high-quality mic. Now you're able to forge someone's voice. Well, 
Frank told me X, Y, and Z. And you have a recording of Frank from AI giving that real dangerous thing. How are they going to validate this stuff? That's a good question. How do you validate any of this? So it, we're getting into, now, it's scary. Really scary here. All right. Boom, boom, boom. What else? I have a whole list here. An employer can replace us, right? Not only saving, but many things with AI. Uh, dangers of it is I uh, entered, I played around with it for the last two months or so. There's a lot of stuff on safety that doesn't make it into AI. And uh, as a, a good friend of mine, uh, this happened to him about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, where uh, he shares the name with a famous uh, or infamous criminal from another uh, country. And someone in the uh, hiring department, uh, when they were interviewing him, he came in and they started yelling and screaming at him what a horrible person he was, that he did X, Y, and Z. True story. <laughs> right? Absolutely true. I left out some details. So uh, guess what? He didn't get the job. He ended up suing them and winning uh, with how it was. So, and uh, Star Trek, I'm going to Star Trek reference. There are a lot of examples on Star Trek where the computer does, gives you bad information, right? So, that's what I got here for artificial intelligence. Beware. Something we need to keep an eye on, and uh, where it's going to be one of our topics on here going on in the future. I want to thank everybody. Again, this is a truncated program tonight. I want to thank everybody for uh, their continued support. If you can visit us at uh, safetywords.com, give us a call if you need health and safety services or email me at jim at safetywords.com. We are a full service uh, health and safety firm. Uh, if you like what I say, go and uh, hear, you know, go and uh, say you like, like it, share it, right? Comment on it. Put it on your social media. All that stuff helps. Well, get the word out on this show. So, for Safety Wars, and uh, believe me, this is Battle AI. Safety Wars, Battle AI. This is going to be an issue, major issue in the future. I don't know if anyone else has covered it as much as we have, but we're usually uh, out ahead on a lot of these things. Uh, if I can, I will put do put together a brief program over the weekend. Uh, if I can't, I'll see you on Monday. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system or transmitted in any any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.